0: is the fruit? Is ketchup a smoothie? Is honey really just bee throw up? Is earth like a guy who knows exactly where to stand next to bonfire? All these questions and more in the Abnormal Matters podcast.
1: <laughs> What's going on y'all? It is. We are glad to be back. We've got a little bit of change on, uh, on the hosting. We've got a new co-host here and it is... Rachel! That's right. We are down in Satan's tank today is so freaking hot outside.
0: It is stupid to be sweating inside.
1: So we had uh, we had this change because uh, I have since moved and we are just going to start it up with me and Rachel continuing with the abnormal matters. If you guys are just uh, queuing in here we we investigate all the strange, all the weird, anything that's odd out there from conspiracy theories to murder mysteries to aliens you name it if it's if it's odd we're gonna we're gonna actually investigate all that we picked a good one and it's i mean i don't think it's really cliche but it's been documented and researched and investigated so we just want to kind of put it out there but our topic today that we picked is jack the ripper before we get into it of course we want to give you our news of the week and uh, it's one comes out of uh, Salisbury, uh, I think that's how you say it. It's always weird how they say things down here, like uh, downtown Columbia. Yeah. I would get off the exit and I, I'm like, oh, Huger.
2: It's not Huger? No. What is it?
1: It's the R is silent and it's Hugie.
0: I did not know that. And right. I've lived here longer than you.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, my
1: my people at the office. Yeah. They've lived here all their life, you know. So like, kind of like L U um, L U G O F F. Lugoff. Lug off. Okay. When I started saying it and I had a customer out there, Lug off. Yeah, that's what I said, okay. and, <laughs> and they laughed at me. <laughs> but I laugh at them too. Because yes. They they like to say tornado.
2: Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. No bueno.
1: <laughs> I asked my uh, my staffing so I was like, "Hey, spell that. How do you spell it, tornado." Is that- <laughs> are in A B A.
0: Well I have to tell you, I lived in Kansas for five years and the first time I ever experienced a tornado or a tornado
2: was here.
1: Oh here. In South Carolina. In this house. Didn't it rip through the neighborhood yet? It, it did. Yeah. It did. I found that out when we first moved in from the next door neighbor. They're like, yeah man, a tornado came through and I was like, what? Talk about scary shit.
0: But yeah. Five years in Kansas. Grew up in northern Indiana, never experienced a tornado until I moved here.
1: Yeah. Well, we were from uh, Columbus, Ohio, and it, uh, it we were at the end of Tornado Alley. Yeah. And it, we never got anything. I mean, we may have had a freak tornado, and it, it ripped up a crop field. But right. But, you know what I mean? Nothing really.
0: Yeah. We're lucky enough to live down this interstate where they just roam freely.
1: Yeah. A North Carolina woman, apparently seeking revenge on her ex-boyfriend, tried to set fire to a house owned by someone else, according to the Sheriff's Office. Uh, Rowan County Sheriff's Office said in a report that a homeowner in Gold Hill was awakened Friday by a neighbor who saw a woman trying to set fire to the house. There were bundles of wood and a fire on the front porch, and deputies found a jug of oil that they say was used to start the fire. Or was it oil? Oral. Yeah. (laughs) There's an R in there. (laughs) Uh, As the homeowner... Now, this is the best part. As the homeowner went to get a garden hose, he saw a burning piece of wood around the propane tank that he had next to his house. The garden hose didn't work because the woman had apparently used a sealant to block the flow of water.
0: Who is this woman? I
1: don't know, but I mean, hey... She's thinking two, three steps ahead before she set that fire. Good God. Um, and again, I know it's we always say science news of the week, but this was just too bizarre. Where yeah. I was like, all right, I got to get this one in. Um, the homeowner grabbed a rifle and confronted the woman who was holding one of his dogs on a leash with law enforcement and emergency personnel approaching. The woman drove off and the sheriff's office was reported to. Uh, deputies arrested the woman and charged her with felony first-degree arson, assault with a deadly weapon, and larceny of an animal. And that she took off with the dog, I guess. Bond was set at one hundred and one thousand dollars. It couldn't be determined Tuesday if she had an attorney, but uh, she grabbed. She went to the wrong house. She thought that that was the boyfriend's house, <laughs> and decided to try to set it on fire. And this poor homeowner was just at the. At the hands of the wrath of a woman.
0: So, she decided, I realize this is the wrong house, but now I'm going to steal the fucking dog too. Oh, I mean,
1: she's, <laughs> she's already in it. <laughs> right. She, she might as well get a dog <laughs> out yeah, of it. Yeah, you know? at least I got a puppy. Right? <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, the investigators estimate that the home sustained approximately $20,000 in damage.
0: Damn. I can't. Believe that she plugged the fucking hose.
1: Oh, yeah. That's that's next level. That is next level. I mean, that's, I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought of that either. But yeah, just thinking ahead. You know what? He's probably going to grab the garden hose and probably, yeah. 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 When with the seal that bitch With up. a sealant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she went and got some. What is that called? Flex seal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> She's Not like, I've seen that yeah. infomercial. That shit right.
0: works. Let me get it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: So, um, I mean, yeah, really short and sweet news of the week. Um, I just thought it was really odd. So,
0: dude, I love that.
1: Yeah, it was. Good.
0: That is insane.
1: It, it was kind of like uh, uh, one of the previous news of the week <laughs> that I did, where um, a pig had set fire to the farm. Literally, the pig did um, because it had chewed through the GPS tracker and <laughs> um, on one and ate it. Oh my god! And after it pooped it out, the live wires and was still working, and it touched hay, and
0: <laughs> so it survived. His stomach, intestines, all of that stuff. Yep, that's a good ass GPS track,
2: or tracker
1: mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah.
0: Did they get a lot of good bacon out of that?
1: I hope. Yeah the the they they investigated on that one. They found out, sure enough, it came from that <laughs> GPS tracker that was. Sitting in pig poop.
0: Oh, to be the fire investigators for that one.
1: Yeah, I think it was in England. Wow. I think it happened. Yeah. But, uh, all right, Well, I mean, right, let's let's dig right into it. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of information on this one. So, Jack the Ripper.
0: Jack the Ripper murdered, well, we're, we're going to say he suspected of 11, or kind of people think, during the time frame of, what was it, like 19 or 18? In <laughs> 1888, in Whitechapel, and which is like East End, near London. The biggest thing about this, and I think this is why he got away with it, is this town was severely impoverished. You have thousands of people influxing in this area. There's not enough housing, there's not enough jobs. Some of the biggest jobs were obviously female prostitutes. 62 brothels, 1,200 prostitutes, ladies of the night, whatever we are supposed to call
2: them. You know, just
0: a little tidbit, unrelated, but 55% of the children born in Whitechapel died before they were five. So this kind of tells you the area that we're at. The, the biggest means of work outside of... The workhouses that they would stay in, where you'd have to go in and you'd have to do menial tasks to get a bed, was butchers. There were a ton of butchers, and so half the men outside in these bars or brothels and stuff had blood all over them. Mm-hmm. So nobody knew. It
1: wouldn't be anything, just right? Just to see somebody, just walking, to see somebody walking
0: around with blood all over their hands. So there was no way they were ever going to be able to pinpoint. Plus, another thing was, as you think about here. Even though we're kind of off the beaten path, but it's still fairly light, even though it's dark outside. Mm-hmm. There, think about going out to the country where there's nothing out there. It's pitch black. You can't see three feet in front of you, two feet, maybe even inches. And we're even
1: talking <laughs> before Edison time. So right. So there's no electricity. Right. It's
0: gaslight at this point, maybe, if you're lucky, or just good night vision right.
1: at this point, you a know? Full moon. Yeah, exactly. You pray for a full
0: moon that night, yeah. Right. So, I think that's how...
1: And we're talking about England where it's just rainy all the time, so there's cloud cover and... Yeah, it's just <laughs>
0: drab and, you know, when I think about this case and the history of it, I don't see anything in full color. All I see is browns and blacks and grays because right. that's what it was like there. So... I can't imagine the investigators even during that time being able to have really good evidence and suspects, even though they interviewed what, like 300 people. Oh, that was
1: ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they pulled in questioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, um, let's see here. Yeah. The 11 separate murders between 1888 and 1891, Whitechapel murders, the, Five of these, which were the the mechanical, mm-hmm. uh, the murders of Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. I think those were the mechanical ones. Yep. And they were just uh, single kills, but there was one, and we'll kind of get into it on the mechanical five. But there was a double murder.
0: Yeah. Then they call it what? Did they call that the double event.
1: The double event. Nice. Yes. Right. Yeah. Where they thought that Jack had just slipped through the fingers, like incognito. Not even incognito, just boastfully walking through that area.
0: Right. Yeah, they think that he got disturbed during that one. Where, mm-hmm. you know, there was that guard that was going through and he had just went through that area. Well, we can go through it in detail later. But he was going through the area, making his rounds or whatever.
1: Came back and found her. The swiftness of the attacks and the manner of the mutilations performed on some of these bodies, which included disembowelment and removal of the organs, led to the speculation that the, murderers had, the murderer had the skills of a physician or a butcher. Yep. Just like you're saying, how many butchers are out there now? Right. So, um, Far
0: less doctors than butchers.
1: Right. And uh, However, the other disagreed strongly and thought that the wounds were too crude to be professional. Uh, the alibis of the local butchers and slaughterers were investigated with the results that way that they were eliminated from the inquiry oh here it is over two thousand people were interviewed uh, about the whole thing and upwards of 300 people were investigated that's right and 80 people were detained yeah so they thought they had jack within the 80 people that they had detained
0: and we still don't have them
1: nope now there is some good good um, evidence later on, now that this, you know, now that we have DNA and that kind of stuff, but we'll get more into that there, too, later on. During the course of the investigations of the murders, police regarded several men as strong suspects, though none were formally charged. Right. So. um, One of them
0: was the leather apron.
1: Yes. And it's funny that they, that Jack, when he sent his note. Right. Included that. Right. uh, In there. But, uh, I mean, you want to kind of go through a timeline of it? Or did you have a timeline?
2: Sure, I do.
0: Um, So I'm actually going to start pre-Canocchio (laughs) 5. Why can't I say that? Oh, my God. Canocchio 5. With the first two murders that happened in Whitechapel. So we're talking, our first one was um, Emma Elizabeth Smith. They, I... I'm not exactly sure why they bring her in in this time frame other than maybe to paint a picture of other violence that is going on in the area at this time. So she survived her attack. She was bludgeoned uh, in the face um, and she had an object inserted into her vagina. This is important later for what happens to the other ladies. Now, she didn't die on scene. She died in the hospital, but when she was in the hospital, she said two to three men attacked her. So, that's why it was like, okay, definitely not Jack the Ripper, but we're still going to include you in this time frame because it was just horrible during We're, this we're not
1: in Ripperville yet. Right.
0: Exactly. Um, the next one, Martha Tabram, there are many people that think that she is a Ripper victim. She had 39 stab wounds, damaging her throat, which, again, throat is important later, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, breasts, and vagina, but she was not sexually assaulted. And we know the others were not sexually assaulted either. Canicle, God bless it. (laughs) Canicle five. So I didn't know what that meant. Um, So I did some Googling and basically that just means that they believe that these five were all murdered by the same person. So our first victim is Marianne Nichols, she was murdered on um, 8 31 88. She was last seen alive one hour before her body was discovered, and this is a trend with these ones. Her throat was severed, like down to the bone. She had two vaginal stab wounds. Her abdomen was ripped open enough for her bowels to protrude, um, and she had several other stab wounds. And, uh, about her abdomen the thing is with the ripping uh, open of the abdomen is it was an incision that went down and around the belly button and this is a medical procedure
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know they don't slice through the belly button for whatever reason so again this, this points to somebody other than the butcher yeah the next person we have is Annie Chapman, and we are nine days, eight days after. This is September 8th, 88. Again, her throat was severed, and she was basically gutted. Her flesh from her cut and open was on either side of her body, plus her uterus, portions of her bladder, and her vagina were missing.
1: So this, and, and as we go through the timeline, it's getting more and more vicious.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The first one, we didn't take anything. Now we're taking something. And then it just gets worse, as you said. Then we go a good amount of days, 22 days, to September 30th.
1: Well, I want to kind of chime in on September 10th. So September 10th, uh, John Peiser... Sergeant Thick maintains, is recognized as, a.k.a. Leather Apron, Mm -hmm. is arrested. He can, however, provide, he he provides alibis for the two recent murders and he's released. But that was one of their biggest suspects and that kind of stuff in the whole thing. Right. Um, Did you, I think I had more stuff on who Leather Apron actually was, but he was. He, He was a Jewish
0: butcher and in that time and in that area, it was like everybody was blaming the Jewish people. Just like in the whole
1: timeline of human history. <laughs> well, exactly,
0: exactly. Um, the biggest thing was is they had found the apron near the crime scene with what was painted on the wall. What was um, and I can't remember what it was said it was basically something about the about the Jewish people.
1: Yeah, and it was completely misspelled and
0: right. Yeah, right. And there are no pictures of it because or you know in that day drawings of it because the um and the lead investigator made them wash it off before daylight so it wouldn't incite any extra violence against the jewish people in the mm-hmm. community but yeah he was so because they found that at apron and he was jewish they immediately flung towards him as a suspect.
1: Which you would think that if he's writing something derogatory about the Jews, maybe he was, and they were saying in there, maybe he was leather apron was trying to miss, you know, give them the misdirection. Correct. Of not looking at him because he wrote something about the Jews. Right, exactly.
0: And then we have Elizabeth Stride on 938. Her, uh, Her throat was slit. But it was less jagged than the others, so that makes us believe he had more time during this one. It was cut through her trachea, but she had no other mutilations, and she had no missing organs. So it seems like maybe he had more time, or maybe did he change his weapon. And that plays a role later on, too, is some of these were very jagged, and there were witnesses that say there was a like a sling blade type knife and then this one is just very like clean cut
1: scalpel style exactly right. exactly and then a good note on that is majority of them they're saying that the victims the first blow was probably the cutting of the throat right
2: right
0: wait elizabeth stride i'm wrong as the first victim of our double event day
1: ah, so yes
0: He was interrupted for this one. He was interrupted that first one. Right, right. So that was the one where the guard came around, 15 minutes, doing his rounds. She wasn't there the first time. The second time he came around, she was dead. Throat slit. Then we have Catherine Eddowes, same day, literally 45 minutes later. Her throat was cut. Abdomen ripped open, intestines out, and displayed on either side of her body. Again, a small section of her intestines was completely severed from the body and placed, like, between her body and her arm, how it was splayed out. Again, leading back to somebody that has some kind of anatomical knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because, one, it's dark as shit out there. Two, you are not going to, like, I wouldn't know what is what in there except for the intestines. That's a no-brainer, but he had to know what he was looking for.
1: Especially to be able to get it done that quick in, in, in that amount of time. Right,
0: right. So that was our double event. Her left kidney and her uterus was removed, but she also had facial disfiguration as well. And then we have this huge gap. Huge gap where Whitechapel is like, <sighs> <sighs> and then on 11, 9, 88, Mary Jane Kelly is found with her throat cut to her spine, vertebrae again. She's, she is emptied of all of her abdominal organs. Her heart was taken. And so this happened inside of a room. So this was this was inside of like the sleeping quarters, or we whatever. had
1: plenty of time.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Her, so her heart was taken, but her other organs were either on the bed with her or on the bedside table. And they said that they had looked in the fireplace, and they could see that it, the fire kept being you know fed, and it's thought so it could illuminate the scene for him, and kind of one give him a sense of gratification, and also. He just gets to take more time with
2: her. Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, and she was not, fi- she was found like the next day or whatever. It wasn't like how these ones were found where they were on the road, basically. But the, the timing of these is interesting because you have your first two that are at the very end of the month, their last day of the month. And then you have, um, well, not the first two, but the first and then the double event last day of the month. And then you have the one that occurred on 9-8 and then 11-9. So it's suspected as well that, you know, you had they had travelers coming in and out and they would park on the docks for the weekends, and then be gone. And these dates are all around a weekend time frame.
1: Mm, or they kind of coincide where mm, they're coming into port.
0: Yep. So... Of all the people that they even looked at, it could have been somebody else altogether because yeah. they were just not there.
1: And just, I mean, the sheer fact of of investigating back in that time, mm-hmm. I mean, what tools do you have? You don't have any DNA. Right. I mean, did they even do fingerprinting at that time? I don't think they did.
0: I don't think so either.
1: And all you have is just word of mouth.
0: Yeah. Good old fashioned legwork.
1: Right. And anything that was left at the scene, like a scarf or something like that. And so you had the odds stacked against you if you were going to try to solve something back then.
0: Oh, absolutely. Unless you had a witness or you saw it yourself. And I mean, in this area, witnesses sometimes can't even be trusted because they're sitting in the... Alcoholism was rampant in this area. Oh, any, and any
1: place that's depressed. Yeah. Right.
0: And all of these ladies suffered basically from alcoholism as well, you know, and they were just down on their times and led to prostitution. So you have all of these people that may not be excellent sources for <laughs> accurate information.
1: No, that's good stuff on the timeline. I mean, it's, it, I want to try to start. Getting into Who's Sus? hmm Because that was interesting, too. Um, I've got a top five. I don't know what names you got in there, so let's kind of, <laughs> of correlate here. I've got, let's see, let's start at the top here. i got Montague John Druitt. Mm-hmm. Did you get that name? Mm-mm. So, Montague, early December 1988 is when he passed away. So, that would kind of coincide when it right. kind of went dark. Right, right. He was a Dorset-born barrister who worked to supplement his income as an assistant schoolmaster in Blackheath, London, uh, until his dismissal shortly before his suicide by drowning. His decomposed body was found floating in the Thames, or Thames, near... Thames. Thames? Yep. On December 31st, 1988, some modern authors suggest that Druitt may have been dismissed because he was homosexual... And that this could have driven him to commit suicide. However, both his mother and grandmother suffered mental health problems, and it is possible that he was dismissed because of an underlying hereditary psychiatric illness. So he was had a job, doing great, right? And then he got dismissed due to maybe
2: cuckoo, right?
1: Um, and he was probably exhibiting that. His death shortly after the last cannibal murder. Uh, which took place on November 9th, led Assistant Chief Constable Sir Melville to name him as a suspect in the memorandum of 23rd in 1894. However, McNaughton, the the constable, incorrectly described the 31 year old, uh, is it a, a, a as barrister? A barrister? A barrister? Yeah. What's a barrister?
0: I think a barrister is like a some kind of legal thing.
1: Okay. Um. But the the barrister has a forty one year old doctor. Yeah, lawyer. Oh, okay. So on September first, so he was doing great, right? As a lawyer, right? In the depression depression era, right? Not saying that they're like <laughs> a succubus on uh, society, or right? Something. Uh, but on September first, the day after the first cannibal murder, Drew was in Dorset playing cricket, and most experts now believe the killer was local to Whitechapel, whereas Druitt lived miles away on the other side of Thames and in Kent. Uh, Inspector Frederick Aberline appeared to dismiss Druitt as a serious suspect on the basis that the only evidence against him was a coincidental timing of his suicide. Right. So they, they had him as a major suspect, but then when they started really digging into it, they were like, mm. He's a part of that 30. Right. That well, and that's a good Thames. point,
0: too, is that like somebody with... Would have to know the area very well.
1: Yeah. Very well, especially with the double event. Right. Because then the the police at that point were closing in on that area. Right. So you had to know which alley to take.
0: Exactly. And how to maneuver quietly yeah. and under the radar.
1: Yeah. Uh The other one I had was, uh I don't know how to pronounce the first name, Sirwin Kulowski. Did you get anything on Kolowski? mm Um, I'm just going to call him Kowalski. Sounds good. I got my eye on you, (laughs) Kowalski. Alias George Chapman. So maybe that will bring about it. Yes, yes. No relation to the victim, Annie Chapman. Uh, He was born in Congress, Poland, but immigrated to the United Kingdom sometime in between 1887 and 1888, shortly before the start of the Whitechapel murders. So he just popped into town right before all this shit started. Right. And he uh, successively poisoned three of his wives and became known as the Burrow Poisoner. Uh, He was hanged for his crimes in 1903. At the time of the Ripper murders, he lived in Whitechapel, where he had been working as a barber under the name Ludwig Schlossky. Uh, This dude has so many aliases. Uh, According to H.L. Adam, who wrote a book on the poisonings in 1930... Chapman was Inspector Frederick Aberline's favorite suspect. So he was at, at the, the top of the list. Right. However, others disagree that Chapman is likely a culprit as he murdered his three wives with poison. And it's uncommon, though not unheard of, for a serial killer to make to, that drastic shift correct. of, you know, motive. Right. Or not motive, but modus modus Motus operandi. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um. There's that. And I would say that there's a good truth to that. You know, right. he, he wouldn't switch it around unless he's just really that crazy like a Hannibal Lecter. Right.
0: Unless he ran out of women to, you know.
1: Unless it, it was too close to, his, to, to home and he had to do it a different way so he didn't get caught. Right. That's a possibility. I
0: mean, criminals are pretty damn smart. They spend their whole lives being criminals.
1: A good percentage of them are smart.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't get away with. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> As, that always cracked me up with, uh, you ever watch The Office? Yes. Okay. So, my, Michael Scott, when he became, a uh, Prison Mike. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, at the end, he was like, well, uh, what uh, what kind of crimes did you do, Prison Mike? And he said, I, uh, I stole things. Uh kidnapped the president's daughter and uh they never caught me and he's like so why are you in prison yeah (laughs) a couple more i just had aaron um kosminski
0: there's a lot of skis out there there's a lot of a lot of
1: polish jewish people coming to the the england area and they're going to that depressed side of, of town of the poor side of town he was a Polish Jew who was admitted to... Oh, so he's Hatch. a
0: double whammy. A, not just Polish, not just Jewish. He's both.
1: Double whammy. And triple whammy was a Polish Jew who was admitted to Colony Hatch Lunatic Asylum in 1891. He was named a suspect by Sir Melville, the um, chief inspector. Yeah. And... Uh, by the former chief inspector Donald Swanson in handwritten comments in the margin of his copy um, of his memoirs. He had Kaminsky's name in there as a possible suspect. Um, Anderson wrote that a Polish Jew had been identified as the Ripper, but that no prosecution was possible because the witness was also Jewish and refused to testify against a fellow Jew. So, um, there's some, uh, Constitutional rights starting to actually happen there, where it's like you know that you can't make them speak. Right. Um, but yeah, they had a whole a huge memorandum of this, um, stating that stated that no one was ever identified as a ripper, which directly contradicts Anderson's recollection recollection of it. Um, in 1987, there was an author, Martin Fido, that searched the asylum records for any inmates called Kaminsky, and only found one. And Kaminsky lived in Whitechapel. Check. However, he was largely harmless in the asylum. He instantly took the form of auditory hallucinations, a paranoid fear of being fed by other people, a refusal to wash or bathe, and self-abuse, self-mutilation.
0: So. So he gets off the streets, maybe, possibly, and he starts mutilating himself.
1: And that's not enough. Right. So he has to mutilate other people. Right. I mean that's mental health. Oh yeah. Lived in Whitechapel. I mean, Jewish where he's he's fitting the profile here. If we were FBI profilers back then, this guy is right taking the cake.
0: Well, and I do have the FBI profile on him oh, on okay. from well, not him specifically, but, you know, John Douglas, oh, yeah, my yeah. favorite guy in the whole world. He actually did um, a profile on them. So he mentioned that this offender does not look out of the ordinary. The clothing that he wears at the time of the assault is not his everyday dress. And so that was a lot of the things that we were hearing is that he's wearing that, you know. A uh, top hat. Yes. Or the... Derby, what the hell? Uh, Sherlock Holmes, my god, the Sherlock Holmes style hat. Oh,
1: with the flaps mm, on the side, and it was yeah, the plaid, so yeah,
0: yeah. he was wearing that. But he was also like always in just a full, it seemed like full dress, long coat kind of thing. And he wants to protect or project to unsuspecting females, ladies of the night, so he can
1: be trusted, right?
0: That he has money, consequently, this relieves him from. Initiating contact. Um, he comes from a family where he was raised by a domineering mother and weak, passive, or absent father. In all likelihood, his mother drank heavily. I mean, who didn't then? And enjoyed company of many men. So we're looking here is his mother is enjoying the company of many men, and he's taking and he's only attacking prostitutes. Um as a result, he received, failed to receive consistent care and contact with st- uh, stable adult role models. Consequently, he became detached socially and developed a diminished emotional response towards his fellow man. He became asocial, preferring to be alone. I mean, I like being alone. It doesn't make me a serial killer. His anger became internalized and in, yo- in his younger years. He expressed his pent-up destructive emotions by setting fires and torturing small animals. By perpetrating these acts, he discovered increased areas of dominance, power, and control, and learned how to to continue violent, destructive acts without detection or punishment. Um, As he grew older, his fantasy developed into a strong component that included domination, cruelty, and mutilation of women.
1: That's a lot of check marks.
0: And then it says for employment, he would seek a position where he would work alone and vicariously experience his destructive fantasies. So this would include work as a butcher, Mm -hmm. mortician's helper.
1: There's medical. Medical
0: examiner's assistant.
1: Oh, right there. Boom.
0: Yep. Or a hospital attendant. Oh, geez. And he works Monday through Friday and he's off from work. And then... He would carry. They said he, John Douglas, believed he carried a knife for a defense purpose, just in case he was ever attacked. So he was got paranoid. To when you're
1: in the slums of Whitechapel,
0: right? But also maybe paranoid. Right. You're the, I mean, you're the monster out there, and you're carrying a knife because you know you want to protect yourself. But you're the one and that's out there.
1: You're hearing shit, right? Right. Kaminsky's hearing stuff because he just got you know the asylum. They, did you, did you see about the DNA thing? I did. I did. So the shawl?
0: Yeah. But, but the, they don't really think that it came from the crime scene. They're
1: unsure. There's, there's questionable that it came from the crime scene. However, the DNA analysis of it, and it really doesn't prove anything, but it gives it a narrowed down that it could have come from descendants of of Krasinski.
0: So familiar Our DNA. Kind of, Kosminski. We'll K-Minsky. go with Kaminski. Yeah. Kaminski Park. Well, okay. I mean, our older listeners will know where <laughs> Kaminski Park was. It's not called that anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> the last suspect that I just wanted to kind of hit on was uh, John Pizer, and that is the Polish Jew who worked as a bootmaker in Whitechapel. So check again. Um, in the early days of Whitechapel murders, many local suspects thought. Leather Apron, that was the guy we were talking about, was the killer. Right. Which was, he was picked up by the press, and, and Pizer was known as, of course, Leather Apron. Um, he had prior convictions for stabbing offenses uh, in the area, uh, and police uh, sergeant William Thick apparently believed that he had committed a string of minor assaults on prostitutes. So there's the kind of right. lead-in to maybe this is our guy. After the murders of Marianne Nichols and Annie Chapman in the late August and, and early September of 88, respectively, Thick arrested Pizer on the 10th of September, even though he was investigating uh, inspector reports that there's no evidence whatsoever against him. Right. And he was clear to suspicion when it turned out that his alibis uh, for the two murders, he was staying with relatives at the time of, of one of the murders, and he was talking with police officers, while watching a spectacular fire on the London docks at the time of another. So he he was in contact with a police officer
0: on
2: that night.
1: Right. There was a huge fire. Police were there, and he was talking to the police officer. So there's his alibi right, right there. Uh, Pizer successfully obtained uh, monetary compensation from at least one newspaper that had named him as the murderer. So he, I think he sued him. Good and uh, he got some money. Thick himself was accused of being the Ripper by H. T. Hasselwood of Tottenham in a letter to the Home Office dated tenth of September eighty nine. The presumably malicious accusations were dismissed without foundation. So,
2: so
0: there's a trend with all of their suspects is they're not from the UK. So. Is it because the population there is mostly immigrants, or is it because they're
1: scapegoats, right? Yeah. I think they're scapegoats. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, any of those suspects that we're talking about, Jewish comes up. Polish. They're, they're from Poland. Or right. They're you know, from out of, out of town. Right. So I, I don't think that the the police were doing their due diligence on even the people that were had been there for all their life. Right,
0: right. Yeah, and they definitely think that the murder stopped because there was death, imprisonment, institutionalized, or just, you know, left the area. There were four more murders that occurred after that time. There was Alice McKenzie. She was July seventeenth, eighteen 1889, and she had stab wounds on her neck. It wasn't a, you know, a clear cut, Um, and she had super... Fischal wounds to her breasts and navel. Then there was the Pension Street torso that they found.
1: Um, Yeah, I remember seeing that. So,
0: basically, there was just a torso, and the torso was mutilated, but they ended up finding later an arm or something like that, or floating down the river, (laughs)
2: like
0: they found, you know, our first suspect. Then there was Frances Coles in 1891 with her throat cut. No mutilation, but this is another one that was likely interrupted, um, and she was still alive, but she did, died on scene before medical help um, arrived. There was a man named James Thomas Sadler that was convicted of this murder, and he was then later ruled out as a suspect of the Jack the, as being Jack the Ripper. There was Fairy Fay, but this one. Again, they think this is just fairy fay, a fabricated story that predates all previous murders, but there are no records to to prove
1: to kind of tie it in well,
0: or that it even ever happened. Oh, yeah, they think that the media just made this one up. Um,
1: damn media, yeah, and then back then, they were making right,
0: right, exactly. You got to sell the newspapers for. Sixpence
1: or whatever it was. Maybe this was like the first National Enquirer. Right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> they Talking about UFOs way back then. There is one called Annie or a lady named Annie Millwood that could be the Ripper's first victim to 2588. Um, this was, re- she received stab wounds to the legs and the abdomen she survived the attack as well and said it was a clasp knife. So, this is where we bring it in that sling blade, like could or switch blade, not sling blade. I bet you can do that voice, can't you? <laughs> 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 and then, um, there was Ada Wilson in 32888 that was stabbed twice in the neck with a clasp knife. And then we have. Annie Farmer, so I found this one really interesting because she lived in the same lodging house as Tabram, which was the one that most people think that could be a a Jack River uh, victim. Um, But hers was only a superficial neck wound, and it was likely Mm self-inflicted. And then just weirdly, there was another fucking torso that showed up in... October of 88 and it was found in the basement of the police headquarters that was still under construction. Yeah. So it's similar to the pension street torso, but left in the basement. So sounds to me like we have two separate serial killers with the torsos, you know. Or they're, those two are obviously. And it sounds
1: like the police need to get a better security system. Right, letting somebody come in and throw a torso in the basement. Right,
2: like where was everyone? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but I think a lot
0: of these they're grasping at straws, trying to connect them to the Ripper, but it does paint a picture of everything that was going on during that time and how incredibly difficult it would have been to identify Jack the Ripper, let alone somebody leaving torsos and right. body parts everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in to not correlate them into one person and, and, you know, and you've got Jack the Ripper and, oh, great. Now we got a, someone just throwing torsos. Right. On.
2: What the hell?
1: <laughs> Shit. Well, the, um, and we were talking a little bit about the, the profiling. Right. right? Um, so I had a little bit on that with the Ripper cases. Uh, it, obviously, it was one of the first serial killer um, stories that in history to cause a widespread media frenzy. Absolutely. And, you know, that was due to the, the proliferation and expensive broadcast or broadsheet newspapers in Victorian London uh, in the 19th century. But by the fall of 88, at the height of the Ripper's killing spree, one million newspapers with updated stories on the case were sold each day. That's insane. And an unprecedented circulation of newspaper at that time. Right. I mean, just, you, you've you got one million newspapers each day being sold. In mean, and, and, and that and was, time frame. Yeah. And, and they're just, and even if they were just making shit up and embellish, because they didn't have the, the kind of things where they can't embellish and Right, that kind of stuff that we have nowadays in news. So
0: nobody would know if they were not telling the truth.
1: Right. So the the Jack Ripper ca- the Jack Ripper case had generated a glut of conspiracy theories concerning his identity over the years. But in fact, there was at least a hundred different theories hmm. about the identity of Jack the Ripper, and one of the most colorful involved a British royal family connection.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: And the Freemasons. Well, Which you. was depicted in the 2001 film, From Hell. Remember Jack, Johnny Depp? Yes. Yeah. Indeed, much a legend of Jack the Ripper is, is pure mythology. Right. But, yeah, I mean, people are just making hand over fists over the murders. Right.
0: Well, and then there's the H.H. Holmes connection. Where, you know, the murders here ended in 88. Yeah, they ended in 88, mm-hmm. and his span of crimes were 1891 through 1894. Have, have you read that book, Devil in White City? I have not. Oh, such a great book. Such a great book. But it's about the A.J. H. H. Holmes um, case. But there was speculation that it could have been him. He came over from... But he was a doctor. Um, and he built the wonderful mansion in Chicago that has since been torn down. And during the uh, Chicago's World Fair, got all kinds of victims.
1: It's mm-hmm. a good possibility. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It got too hot over there. Yeah. shift over here.
0: Yeah. And then built a murder castle.
1: David Cohen. Did you get that name at all through your research? Yeah, I, that does sound familiar. Yep. So they they believe that Jack the Ripper was in reality a poor insane. Tradesman and Polish Jew with homicidal t- tendencies, called David Cohen, who was admitted in the Colony Hatch Lunatic Asylum in London. Now that kind of coincides with that Kaczynski right that we're talking about. Yep. He died in the asylum in the asylum October 1889. So, the next year after all these murders stopped, he died in the asylum.
0: You want to know what his cause of death is? What is it? Exhaustion of mania. Could be. Yeah. I'm just too fucking exhausted from being crazy. I'm done. Yeah.
1: Going crazy ain't easy. No, it ain't. <laughs> the The name David Cohen is a pseudonym similar to like a John Doe uh, of our time. And that was given to him because his actual name was never determined or at least not recorded.
0: So I'm on Book, you know, I had it po- pulled open. But what I just noticed here is it says David Cohen a.k.a. Nathan Kaminsky. Ah. Parentheses, leather apron. It says that David Cohen, suspect, is an expanded and revised version of what is known as the Polish Jew theory. So it could have been the same person.
2: Could have
1: been. And changing
0: names to avoid detection and or multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia,
1: how oh, I? Yeah. How easy is it to change your name down there, or and back in that time?
0: Exactly. Um, one of the ladies went by like three, I think it was Elizabeth Stride. She went by like five or six different names,
1: just depending on what pimp she had that day. Oh well,
0: bitch, yeah. better have <laughs> my money. So she changed. Yeah, <laughs> changing her name to avoid.
1: Right. But they tried to do. A, a complete profile of him. and it and when they start looking at all the, the things it, it points back to David Cohen as their leading theory that he was possibly the low-class polish jew right sexual maniac you know the tr- getting trophies that kind of stuff and he lived in whitechapel and um and it, like i said it, i think it goes back to that one guy that had all those different aliens the the kuczynski yeah, um, he fits the profile that David called.
0: But none of the victims were sexually assaulted.
1: True, true. Well, sexual maniac in the sense of it doesn't have to be right, right. But it could be the mutilation
0: is giving him some kind of sexual gratification. Right, right.
1: What's up with the with the profiling? Um, satanic or no? I forget what the name of it is, but it's it doesn't have to do with sexual. But even though they're doing mutilating something sexual, it gets them off on it. Sadism. Thank you, sadism. Yes, sadism is like my canonical.
0: <laughs> and I'm just a plethora of foul knowledge. <laughs> uh,
1: the dear boss letter.
0: Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the letters. Yeah.
1: So uh, the the Police had got this letter. Um, it was, it had blood on it, or what they thought was blood. Right. And, I mean, I'll just, I'll read it here. It's a, it said, Dear Boss, I keep an eye on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I'm down on... I am down on whores, and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work, the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue, and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send the police officers just for for the jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so sharp, and I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name, Wasn't good enough to post this before. I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha.
0: So it's really weird to me that he's writing ha ha. Right? It just seems... But this is when he gets his name, Jack the Ripper. Before they were calling him Leather Apron, the Whitechapel murderer. He gave himself a name.
1: He put it like a boss. Like, this is what you're going to call me.
0: But... They don't know if this is a real letter. They don't know if it actually came from... Is
1: it a spoof? Well, however, the thing about the ear...
0: Yes, but her ear was not cut off. It was just a nick in the ear, likely from slitting the throat and the knife slipping.
1: I thought you took an ear. One. No, it was,
0: her ear was nicked. Oh. Yeah, her ear was nicked. It was not completely removed. Okay. Now... There's another letter further down that I believe will be the real deal. Okay. I'll let you know when
1: we get there. If you got it, go ahead. That one was a postcard, though, wasn't it?
0: Well, no, there is a postcard, the Saucy Jackie postcard that came October 1st, 88. Again, these are all coming directly to the media. So it makes it super sus. Right. This one says, I was not codding dear old boss when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event. This time, the number one squealed a bit but couldn't straight off. Ha. Not the time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back. I will do it again. When was the double event?
1: 87?
0: So, no. So, this letter was received on October 1st 88 the double event was 9 30 88 so could this have been sent yes but it also bit could have been sent or dropped or whatever
1: think if Jack had access to the internet right right <laughs> Like he has a Twitter account. he would have
0: he would have Facebook live that shit.
1: double event hashtag yeah. ripped
0: yeah <laughs> Hashtag Leather Apron. (laughs) (laughs) So this one could be real just because the timing of the double event and the postmark of October 1st. But the way word traveled, there wasn't no there. The police were telling. Saying, okay, let's keep all of this information under wraps. It was... And he was even asking them
1: to hold it. Right. Until they put it out to the media.
0: Right, exactly. So there's word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. And then somebody else could have duplicated this letter. Mm-hmm. And sent it to the media. Or somebody from the media could have created that letter. Let- letter. Now, my favorite, I think, could be is the From Hell Letter. And this was actually sent to the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee. So the police weren't finding, I mean, tail as old as time. The police weren't finding a suspect quick enough. So this Vigilance com- Committee came together and they were going to they were gonna find out who it was. And the
1: Vigilance Committee was more about um, just your common civilian helping the police.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So
1: they, one, I'm gonna grab another.
0: they found, will you grab me another one too? Yeah. They're in there somewhere. They found, um, so this letter came and it also came with a half of a human kidney preserved in wine.
1: Okay, you got the letter up, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just cool to see the old school letters too.
0: The medical reports carried out by Dr. Openshaw, which is the one who was doing all the, like the autopsies later, found the kidney to be very similar to the one moved from Catherine Eddowes. They were inconclusive either way. But he found it very similar. She's already been, you know, she was killed 9, 30, 88. This came on October 16th. We're 15 days. There's no way for him to get, this was preserved in wine. So her organs aren't being preserved. So there would be no real way for them to compare. And they didn't have the, the technology we do today. But the From Hell letter says... Right on the top, it, it just says, from hell at the top. And then it goes on to say, Mr. Luck, sore. I send you half the kidney I took from one woman. I need to note that kidney doesn't have a Y on it in this letter. I took from one woman and preserved it for you to, to their piece. I fried the other... Okay." The other piece I fried and ate, and it was very nice. Preserved is spelled P-R-A-S-A-R-V-E-D. The the other is it's T-O-T-H-E-R. So misspelling and very not, and nice was N-I-S-E. I may send you the bloody knife, knife no E. That took it out if you only wait, W A T E, a while, missing the E longer. Sign, catch me when you can, Mr. Luck. And he spelled Mr. M I S H T E R.
1: Sounds like a foreigner trying to phonetically spell.
0: That yeah, could be. So, again. I
1: mean, like, and I'll give you a good example. Uh, In Columbus, when I was, uh, you know, doing the the chef thing, you always label, date, everything. Right. right, As as you're going in the walk-in. And I go in the walk-in, and I'm just looking over all the stuff, and I notice a pan that doesn't have a label, date, time, so I pull it, and I had already told Javier, we have a huge Mexican influence. Right. In in the kitchens and that kind of stuff in, in Columbus. And... Um, there's no label or date on it. So I know, I told Javier about an hour ago to go through. Right. Make sure everything's got a date. If it doesn't, come talk to me. So I pull it, and I said, Javier, what's up with this, man? He was like, oh, I just I just did those. So he labels it, puts it back in. So before I leave, I'm just going through, just double-checking one more time. And I said, Javier, come here. What is that? And it, the label said... M-A-S-O-S. What do you think? Food-wise. M-A-S-O-S. I have no clue. Yeah. I didn't either. And he's like, my name is Pelon. In the kitchen with the Mexicans. And that means baldy. Okay. Sounds cool. Right. right. Sounds strong. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck you want, Pelon? And I was like, dude, what is this? And he's like, masos. It's fucking masos. Muscles. Masos. masos. M-A-S-O-S. Fucking labeled it. What? (laughs) So I can see, you know, know, especially like knife without an E. Right. You don't hear it. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it came with a kidney. So I think this one could be real and that he sent it because he got pissed off that other people were sending. Or Stop could it the be, I mean, it,
1: it, it could be another spoof. And I'm just saying on the other devil's advocate side right. of it. How many, what's the biggest um, profession that we have right now in that time? Butcher. Butcher. Right. what are they butchering?
0: Animals all day long.
1: Pigs. Pigs. Pigs', pigs heart, pigs' kidney, very similar to Tool. a human. I don't so. know. Just putting that out there,
0: and because half of it was missing, maybe it was the valves part that was missing that would make it tell you know like tell, tell like a right. human or a pig yeah. right exactly because yeah. I'm sure the valves aren't in the same place. Bro, I don't know.
1: I'm not medical. I don't, like, I don't like blood. Neither. I can deal with it with in the kitchen, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and then there was what I think there was one more letter, or er, there are a couple other letters that were sent in but they weren't recorded so that's also um kind of suspicious like the Catherine eddowes was found murdered on september 30th and then they received a letter that said beware i shall be at work on the first and second in the minorities at 12 midnight I give the authorities a good chance, but there is never a policeman near when I am at work. Yours, the Ripper.
1: Throughout the whole thing, I mean, you just got to, in a nutshell, was Jack the Ripper that good, or was it just they didn't have the means to catch him?
0: I don't think it was that good at all, by any means. I think it was crimes of opportunity. And there was a whole lot of opportunity to go undetected, one hundred percent of the time.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you even go into in what I was talking about earlier with the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury. Right. We're talking about the nineteen twenties. Right. And they still never caught that dude. Right. You know, it. I think it 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 boils down to like you said the the opportunity, yes, and it just sucks that they didn't have the means or the or the know how
0: or the forethought. Right. To, you know, contain some of this stuff and keep it. Because I'm sure... I mean, it's was...
1: shit. Now, if, somebody, if there was a mass murder right now, they could get into a computer algorithm and be like, have yeah, cross-referencing this and the standard deviation, he's probably, or he or she's probably living in with 0.5 of a mile of this spot. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it...
0: Well, and the familiar DNA, too, is just in saying that you don't even have to be in the system, but one person in your family is you're found.
1: Yeah. Yep. Because you carry the same DNA traits yep. and a certain percentage. Right. They can get you.
0: Oh yeah. So let's talk more about the the scarf. Um so the scarf was on
1: one of the double event
2: ones, right? Right.
0: right. The Second one I think. Right. And part of that scarf was cut. So it's not likely they're going to find any DNA of his on that, right? Am I wrong?
1: Well, they did find blood and semen on there on the scarf. And when they cross-reference it with people that were suspects yeah. at the time and they find their descendants now. Right. And they compare the DNA, then there is a good possibility that they they narrow the 300 and then they narrowed it down to eighty. Right. Well, now they're taking the the descendants, and they're from the eighty. They've got it down to about twenty. Okay. You know what I mean? Where right. They're just trying to backtrack it now, but you know right. they, but still, they, you can point a finger. at Twenty people. Right.
2: It's like plane spin the bottle.
1: Right. And what are you going to do once you get that evidence?
0: Right. You can't. We can't convict them. Right. But I, it would be nice to it would have. Be nice to have
1: that closure mm-hmm. and know actually who it was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And a lot of that is happening now where we're getting the closure, like the, um, who was the one that just got arrested not too long ago. And, um, it was a book like in the dark or he was some kind of rapist in California and Michelle McManus wrote the book and did the research. She was, um, she died right before they convicted him.
1: I don't know, what another one good to do and uh, just thought is Zodiac Killer.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: I like my murder mysteries.
0: I I, well, and I love all murder. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say that out loud. And what's the? Did you watch? Uh, what is his name? I can't think of it. It's gonna. It's driving me insane. I'll be gone in the dark. That's what it's called. Michelle M- M- McNamara. She was married to Patton Oswalt. Sounds familiar. He, the he was on the King of Queens. Did you ever watch that show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he was the friend on King King of Queens, the little white pudgy dude. Um, his wife, she solved and found the murder, the Golden State Killer. Oh, wow. Yes.
2: I didn't hear about that.
0: Yeah, she she ended up passing away, um, right before they convicted him. But basically, she just said, "I'm going to solve this. I'm going to I'm going to find all the evidence and I'm going to get it." And they ended up finding out who did it and they convicted him after
1: all of these years. He confessed to it. Uh, well, I
0: think or they it was
1: just like the DNA evidence and stuff, or. It was
0: Joseph James D'Angelo, and by the time he was apprehended, he wasn't even apprehended until 2018, but his span of crimes were from 74 to 86. I mm. um,
1: thought he got away
0: with it. Oh, he sure as fuck did, and then through all of her research and dedication, she identified him, and
2: hmm.
0: he is now in prison, but <clears throat> I mean... He was born in 1945, so that makes him how old now?
1: Uh, 80-something.
0: Right. So he lived an entire life after going on a murdering spree and killing all of these women. And it's just insane. So it was um, 13 murders, 50 rapes, and 120 burglaries across California between 74 and 1986. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. Busy. Hell yeah, he was, and then he just stopped. He's like, I'm too old for this shit, or I don't know. And he was married; his wife divorced him, at, obviously Stop after her. she, yeah. But they were got married in 1973, so they were married before he started his span of crimes. And he started doing all those things. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the wife's fault. Maybe. Don't know. Hmm.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. Well. Again, um, I'm, I'm glad to have you aboard, Rachel. You. Uh, I think we're going to do some good stuff here moving forward. I know. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys um, you know want to check us out, I'm going to be posting some more stuff. I'm going to dust the old uh, Facebook page off, and uh, you can give us some comments in there. Let us know what you think. Even if you guys have a topic of something strange or odd. Put it in there. Put it in the comments. We'll, we'll check it out for you. Absolutely. And um, so the, the Facebook is uh, the Abnormal Matters Podcast. And we also have our email. And it's matters at gmail.com. Uh, once again, we thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And once again, we will have some more stuff coming out here soon. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Yep.